Welcome to the CityGate Church podcast. Today's message was recorded at our live Sunday services, and we hope that it encourages you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. So we're starting today a series on the book of Acts. And... um, Again, I've never done a series on the book of Acts. <clears throat> when I was a young, a young believer, <coughs> excuse me, anybody heard of Pastor Fred Price? One of the world's all-time great pastors. And I listened to a lot of Fred Price, Fred Price, when I first became a Christian. And who remembers the old, we, we didn't have online We didn't have DVDs, we had VHS cassettes. And I had about 40 of these things full of Fred Price going through the book of Acts. Just blew me, just amazing. Verse by verse, literally he'd just open up and go to the next verse and start preaching on it. And I don't think I had it all. And something ignited in me when I listened to that series 35, 40 years ago of what the church is. And it's very sad that the church has generally been turned into a gathering, been church, just, you know, become a building. The church has become a social club. Some places are social social activists. In other end of the spectrum, just theologians. Where you read the book of Acts and you find the most powerful group of people that have ever lived on the planet. God's plan was to birth the church. The church is the plan of God. It's the church that is spending eternity in heaven with Jesus on earth, on the recreated heaven and earth. It's the church, no one else. No one else is going to be spending eternity with the heavenly Father. Only the church of Jesus Christ. That's quite a sobering thought really. Only the church. Are you telling me only people that go to church on a Sunday are going to heaven? Well, pretty much, yes. Only people that are part of a church? Yeah, you see, I'm not in this to just scrape in by the skin of my teeth. To do the least amount or to, you know, just... Be, well, I believe in Jesus. That's all. It's just between me and the Lord. I question your salvation. Because the Bible is very, very clear that our love for God is displayed in our love for the church. That's what the Word of God teaches. 
And if you love something, you'll spend time with it. If you love something, you'll sacrifice for it. If you love something, you'll serve. If you love something, what you love, you give. Yeah, that's what love is. Love is giving. You give your prayer, you give your faith, you give your joy, you give your, your life to what you love. You see, we've got to understand that the church is a spiritual entity. It's not just a building or a, an event. Church is what we are born again into. Ah, oh, but I'm born again into Christ. And what is Christ? Christ is the church. Jesus is the head of the Christ. Hello? The church is the body of the Christ. This is no longer just about Jesus. It's about the head and the body together, the Christ. The Lord Jesus, the head in heaven, the church, the body on earth. So as we read through the Acts of the Apostles, it is an amazing account of the start of God's perfect plan being seen in the world, the church of Jesus Christ. So we're gonna spend, I don't know how many weeks, I've got a plan, <laughs> but how you know? The plans of the man, <laughs> but the plans of the Lord. <laughs> I've got a plan for about the next 15 weeks, but we'll just have to see. And it's been really difficult to try, to try to get this down to some kind of series that's going to work. Because I could go through this book. I, you know, I read through the first, well, I've read through it all in the last few days. But, and, um, you know, just going through the first chapter, the first few verses of the first chapter. I had three weeks already. <laughs> but, I, but today we've got to get through the first two chapters today. So we're not going to read it all, not here on a Sunday, but what I'm going to charge the church to do. Can I do that? Yeah. With a smile on my face. Let's all read the book of Acts. Can we do that now? Can we read the book of Acts? We've all been through Daniel. It's so powerful, you know, when we're all together in things. Have your verse for the day. Have your own study going on. That's great. But let's all read the book of Acts. If you, know, if you struggle with actually opening the Bible and reading the Bible, we'll really work at that. But thank God for audio books. Thank God for audio books. But the thing is, if you open it and you read it to yourself, oh wow, stuff really starts happening. Speak it out of your own mouth to yourself. Very powerful. That's what I'm going to encourage us all to do. So we're going to start today with Acts chapter 1 and I'm, going to, I'm just going to read Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 then Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. That's all we're going to read today. No, sorry, Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 8. 
and Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. So, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which He was taken up, after He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He had also presented Himself alive after suffering on the cross, uh, and by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, from John. He says, for John, he truly baptised you with water, but you shall be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the end of of the earth. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father God, we thank You for the power of Your Word. And Lord, right at the start of this series, at the beginning of this message, Lord, today we humble ourselves. We receive with humility the implanted and grafted Word. Thank You, Lord, Your Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank You, Lord, Your Word brings understanding, insight. Holy Spirit, will You reveal truth this morning in our lives, that which we hear we will live in Jesus' Name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Today, I want to speak on at the very start of this series, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. At the start, we just read there the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. This could actually be called, the book of Acts could be called the second book of Luke. He penned the book. He was the same man that wrote the gospel of Luke. And I love the way this starts. He says, in my last book, It was all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. What Jesus began, what He began to do when He was born of the Virgin Mary. What He began to do. We got a disco going on back here. Okay, perhaps just turn it off now because I need to preach. Thank you. He began to do 
and to teach until the cross and until He was raised from the dead. So this book is the second book penned by Luke. The second book, thank you. And it's not what Jesus began to do and to teach, it's what He continued to do and to teach. It was the second part of Jesus's work on the earth through people. See, when He was born of the Virgin, He came and He began. For 30 years, He did uh, He didn't do anything that we know of really. He just really got hold of the Holy Spirit and the Word and the Father. When he was 30 years old, he was was flooded with the Holy Ghost. Flooded. And he said, now I can start. Because I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Flooded by the presence of God. Empowered by the Spirit of God. Now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He'd always had the Holy Spirit in him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit dwelling in a bodily form, the Bible tells us. Never had one second outside of communion with the Father and the Spirit. But when he was 30, he was flooded with the Holy Ghost. And he stepped out onto the world stage. And said, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach, to heal, to proclaim, to bring freedom, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee is now no longer a year. It's now in me. Freedom. And for three and a half years, He taught and He preached and He healed And He delivered. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, if you can just touch my life, you're gonna lay hold of the kingdom. If you hear my words, you're gonna get healed. Just put something in my hands and it can feed 5,000. God in the flesh, empowered by the Spirit. The world had never seen anything like it. Then Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, three days later, ascended to the Father and everybody was going, oh no, what's gonna happen now? Well, don't worry, don't worry. Part two is coming. Part two is coming. And that is no longer the Father, the Son and the Spirit in one man, baptised in the Holy Ghost in one place. But that was never the plan of God. The plan of God was to give birth to a generation, a new generation, the body of Christ, filled with the same Spirit, flooded with the same Spirit, filled with the same Word, speaking the same Word, prophesying the same Word. Now it's no longer, if you see Jesus, you see the Father. Now it's if you see the church, you see Jesus. If you can just lay hold of the church of Jesus, your needs are gonna be met. If you can just touch the hem of the garment that is on the body of the Christ, your issue of blood is gonna dry up. If you can just get into, get somewhere around the body of Jesus, everything that the head is putting out is flooding through the body. 
See, Jesus began and now Jesus is continuing. Acts begins with the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead. What a great place to start. He's alive, raised from the dead. Acts chapter one is really just a little eye-opener into what was going on in the mind of a church. Well, it wasn't the church yet, actually. It's just a gathering of believers. What was going on in their mind as to what do we do now? What do we do now? He's gone. What do we do? What are we supposed to do? We don't know what's coming. We thought Israel was gonna be restored. And he's died and that didn't happen. Even after he was raised from the dead. They thought, oh, he's back. Now is he gonna restore Israel? They didn't get it. They didn't understand that Jesus was not about a physical place on the planet. Now we support Israel and we pray for Israel, but God's plan is people. And they didn't get it. Now we just read it. I mean, there he is in the flesh, raised from the dead, glorified, walking through walls, still feeding miraculously. And they're still asking about what he's going to do. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in the nation? What are you going to do, you know, practically, physically? And he's going, hang on a minute. That's irrelevant for what's about to happen. Wait for the Holy Ghost. And you are going to be baptised with the same baptism that I got Three and a half years ago. Same thing that happened to me is going to happen to you. Uh. Acts chapter 1 is a little bit of instruction. Acts chapters 2 to 7 is really the church exploding in Jerusalem. Five chapters of revival in Jerusalem. The Sanhedrin and the religious crowd hated it. They fought against it. In Acts chapter six, the persecution got really hot and they all got scattered. So Acts chapters 13 up to, uh, sorry, Acts chapters eight up to 12 is the church being driven out of Jerusalem through persecution. Well, didn't Jesus say Jerusalem? Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, and they were all still in Jerusalem. So Jesus said, I've got to do something about this. (laughs) And they were all scattered, and for another five or so chapters, they're out there in Judea and Samaria. And then again, from Acts chapters 13 onwards, it's really about the church getting out there into the ends of the earth which we are continuing on today. Now, I know I've said a couple of times the Acts of the Apostles. That, that's what it's you know, traditionally called, the Acts of the Apostles. Well, you could really call it the Acts of the Holy Ghost. Because actually, as you read the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, you find God doing signs and wonders and showing Himself strong through the church, 
not just through the apostles. But Acts, the book of Acts, could also really be called a tale of two temples. There was so much controversy about the temple. In fact, the persecution of Stephen, you know what they said and why they stoned him? He said bad things about the temple. That's what they said. You see, the temple under the religious system was where God lived. It's where you went to meet with God. You go to the synagogue to hear teaching and to do, you know, just to get on and pray and whatever else. But you go to the temple, that's where the glory was. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, actually, there wasn't one at that time. They'd lost it, but that's another story. But that's where the glory was. The glory was in the temple. And if you wanted to get to know God, you'd go to the temple. And everybody had to go once a year on the Day of Atonement. There was a number of gathering feasts, harvest feasts and tabernacles and, and Passover and Pentecost, different ones. They'd all go to the temple. Every other Saturday, they'd be in the synagogue. But the temple was where it's at. But all the way through the life of Jesus, when he was speaking the three and a half years, he was saying, yeah, this temple's great, but there's another temple coming. Hello? There's another temple coming. This temple is gonna be torn down, but this one's gonna rise. And he started to speak and they didn't get it. They, of course they didn't get it, but he started to speak about the temple is gonna go through a total transformation. It's no longer going to be about a temple, a physical temple in the heart of Jerusalem. It's going to be about believers being about the temple of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. God who's lived in the physical temple is going to be the same God who lives in the life of the believer. The same Shekinah glory on the inside of the believer. This new temple is God living in people, no longer teaching from a temple, but teaching from the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. No longer having to go to the temple to pray. Wasn't a bad thing, we'll find they still went there to pray, but now it's the Holy Spirit on the inside praying out. No longer Passover gathering at the temple or from house to house. No, now it's believers sharing the bread and wine together, which we're gonna do next Sunday. No longer do we need to meet, have our needs met from the temple. You go to there and they'd be giving and they'd be doing all sorts of things. Now it's the believers who meet the needs of those around them. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke so much about the Holy Spirit. He spoke so much about the Holy Spirit. The first thing we find is early on in the Gospels and it's said by the one who prepared the way for Jesus, John the Baptist, he said this, Jesus is gonna baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What a statement to make. 
He was speaking to those who were being sploshed in the river. They were being baptised. He said, yeah, but one's coming. Who's going to baptise you like I'm baptising you in water? He's going to baptise you in the Holy Ghost and fire. Right at the start of the ministry. He's saying, this is what he's coming to do. Then the Lord himself, when he was, he went into the Jordan, he was anointed with power. Not long after that, he said, come to me and drink and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. He said, come to me and drink. Then Jesus said, the spirit of truth is with you and will be in you. Every opportunity he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said when he was, oh and it's, he carried on there, he said, the world cannot accept the spirit of truth as they cannot see him and they do not know him. But you know him. That's what he was saying. The next thing he said when he was raised from the dead, he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not gonna get into all the detail of this, but that was a prophetic thing saying, this is about to happen. And it happened seven weeks later. Then, as we've just read, the Lord Jesus Christ said this, do not go anywhere. Don't do anything until you are endued with power from on high. Don't do anything. Wait till you're clothed. Wait till you're empowered. Wait till the church is born. Wait until the gathering of believers becomes the Christ. Because then everything's gonna change. You've got a belief now, you've got a faith now, but something is about to happen, which means I can continue doing what I'm doing in the earth. See, the Christian life is a life lived with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit poured out is the replacement of the man, Jesus Christ, in the earth. This time, not just in one single, pure and sinless man, but poured out to indwell and empower everyone who is born again. We are called to a life of partnership with the Holy Spirit. And as we start this series on the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, what God can do through His church like He did, the Father could do through the Son by the same Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said the most amazing things, things like this, what I've done, 
Wow, you wait and see what happens after I'm raised from the dead. 10 times greater. Greater works you're going to do. Because everything I'm doing, I'm doing before the victory. (laughs) That's another whole story. But what you're going to do is after the victory. You're going to be out there operating against a defeated enemy. I'm not operating against a defeated enemy. I've not defeated him yet. But a day's coming when he's going to be stripped. He's going to be exposed. He's going to be defeated. Then I'm passing on the baton to my church. Same Holy Spirit. Living in the victory. Greater effect in the world. Why? Because Jesus did the work. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, as we partner with Him, the Holy Spirit brings so many things. But I just want to start the series today on the Acts. The church of Jesus Christ in the world that as we partner with the person of the Holy Spirit, number one, He brings wholeness into our lives. The word shalom, He brings peace. You know, when the Lord Jesus turned up so many times, He said, peace. And He spoke peace. He spoke peace. After He was raised from the dead, the first thing He said was, peace. And then he spoke to them. Then in the same conversation, he said, peace again. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, he imparts into our lives the peace of God. Wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. We have peace with God and we have peace from God. We have a covenant of peace. So many things I could I could speak on, I could talk about Haggai and he said there's another temple coming and in that temple is going to be prosperity and in that temple is going to be wholeness. The peace of God, nothing missing, nothing broken. Unshakable. The peace of God on the inside, it guards your heart and your mind. It fills you with an unshakable spirit. The peace of God. Nothing can shake my life because I'm filled with peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Whether I'm facing a storm or whether there's a storm on the inside, the peace of God is gonna deal with this. The Holy Ghost on the inside of me. Peace is not a thing, it's a person. The Holy Spirit on the inside of the believer is a life of peace and I want to elevate the Christian life over these next 15 weeks. I want to bring it up from being a life of struggle and a, you know, just a, a life of, oh, we just like everybody else just struggling through and thank God I've got a crutch. No, I want to bring the Christian life up to a life that is greater, a life that is filled with God, a life that has authority, a life that has faith, a life that has joy, a life that has peace, all the gifts and all the fruit of the... Spirit. 
Too many people scraping around, praying for love and praying for peace and praying for faith. Fine if you're not a believer. If you're a believer, you're filled with the same Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So if it's absent, then obviously our mind is on the wrong thing. First thing he brings is peace. Peace, 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 peace. The book of Acts is about Christians going everywhere, leaving peace everywhere they went. Distributing peace. Jesus said, when you go into a house, peace. What does that look like, Jesus? Heal the sick, raise the dead, meet any need and walk out. That's what he said. Peace in action. What's the next thing the Holy Spirit brings? I've just got four Ps here, or is it five? Four Ps. Four Ps. Peace, he brings peace. The next thing, the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer and flooding the believer, he brings purpose. He brings purpose. And I'm just going to make this really simple this morning. Your purpose is the Great Commission. That's it. That's your purpose in life. What's my purpose, Pastor Jay? Oh, your purpose is to be this and that and that. Let's just make it really simple. Your purpose is the Great Commission. How you do that is through your gifting and your ability and how God has created you. But your purpose is not your gifting. My purpose is to be a school teacher. No, your purpose is the Great Commission. Now, what gifting have you got? Well, I'm a school teacher. Well, that's how you're going to do it then. Hello? Don't make your gift your purpose, ever. It'll be an empty life. The purpose is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the Gospel. Go into all the world, love people. Forgive people, serve people. Bring peace everywhere you go. That's your purpose. If you live for anything else, you're going to come up lacking. And it's going to be an empty life. The book of Acts is the creation of a church fulfilling the purpose that the Holy Spirit has given to us. What's the third thing that the Holy Spirit brings? Partnership with the Holy Spirit brings power. Everybody say peace. Peace. Purpose. Purpose. Power. Why does the Holy Spirit bring power to confirm His Word? To confirm His Word. His Word in us, His Word through us. See, the Bible says how Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because the Father was with Him. But you know what the very first bit is? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who oppressed him. The Christ is still anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. 
<laughs> the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit in us, the Spirit upon us, the Spirit with us. Man, I could do 15 weeks on the person of the Holy Spirit. See how this is going to be such a difficult series just to get it into those 15 weeks. But the power of God, the book of Acts, is a revealing and a demonstration of the church on fire. In authority and living step by step in supernatural power to perform signs and wonders and miracles. This should not be a rarity in the body of Christ. It's who we are in Jesus' name. I hope you're getting something out of this today. And the last thing that we have as a partnership with the Holy Spirit, everybody say peace, Peace. purpose, Purpose. power, Power. the presence of Almighty God. The presence of God. We get the opportunity to walk with Jesus. It's what we're born again into. We're born again into walking with Jesus Christ. The same Holy Spirit that filled Him fills us. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Him empowers us. You know, there's that incredible prayer in the 17th chapter of John. If Jesus prayed things about the church, then we really need to take note. Because it's what He prayed about us. And John 17 is praying a little bit for the world and about the glory of the Father, but he's praying for the church. And you know what he says? In the middle of that prayer, he says, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. And wow, I'd like to, what's he about to say? He's about to define eternal life. Now we know that word eternal life is the Greek word Z-O-E, a Zoe, and it means life as God has it, abundant life, overflowing life, explosive life, healing life, providing life, authority life, life in all its fullness. But that's what it does. Let's define eternal life this morning. You know what Jesus said? This is eternal life that they may Know the Father. You see, everything we do comes out from the place that we know the Father through the person of the Holy Spirit. Eternal life, the abundant life in God, the life of authority and power and dominion and healing is a life of knowing the Father. Knowing His presence, knowing His voice, knowing His glory, knowing God on the inside. This is eternal life that they may know you, Father. I love this passage from Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul. But one things were gained to me, these things I've counted lost for the sake of Christ. Yet indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss for all things. I count them as dung. He uses a word you wouldn't want me to say on the platform. 
I count this lot as rubbish. Everything else around my life is dung compared to that I may gain Christ. Can I just say, that's not saying that I might know Jesus. That's saying that I might gain Christ. Christ is the anointing, the power, the person, the glory, the authority, everything there is about the Christ, which is Jesus, the head, the church, the body. I wanna lay hold of the Christ with everything in me. What is the Christ? It's fellowship. What is the Christ? Authority. What is the Christ? Faith moving mountains. It's the activity of the work of the head and the body functioning in the earth today. I'm going to count everything, my job, my hobbies, my family, my time, my entertainment. Everything else is nothing in comparison with living for the Christ. Living on fire, living in faith, living in love and joy and peace and patience. Everything else doesn't touch what it is to be a part of the Christ in the earth today. To be found in the Christ, not having my own I've got so much I could read here. That I might know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on into the Christ that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to lay hold of the Christ, to lay hold of the high call, to lay hold of those things which are ahead of my life. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Christ in the earth. The book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Man, they went through struggles. They went through disagreements. They went through persecution. They went through not knowing what teaching to believe. They went through some people saying they were in the church and they evidently were not. They went through other parts of the church that didn't know what they were doing. They hadn't been told about the Holy Ghost. It's a wonderful, open example of the birth of the church. That same church that we're part of today. And I don't know about you, but I want to press forwards. I want to push. I want, like the Apostle Paul said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
See, Jesus said, don't do anything without the flood of the Holy Ghost. Don't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything without the new birth. Don't do anything without being recreated on the inside. 40, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room and the church was born on that day. The church was born. 120 people received exactly what Jesus had done three and a half years earlier. And now no longer that verse that says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me is just applicable to Jesus for three and a half years. It is now the declaration of the body of the anointed one. Spirit of the Lord is now upon me to go around preaching, healing, delivering, opening prison doors, shining in the darkness of this world and declaring, declaring the year of the Jubilee. Let that spirit that's on the inside of Paul grip Citygate Church at this time, Jesus. I forget what lies behind. All the insignificant stuff, all the stuff the world's worried about. Just throw it all away. Forget it all. Stop filling our heart with it and our mind with it and our time with it. Say, God, for Your glory, for Your presence, for Your power, for Your purpose, for Your peace. Holy Spirit, will You fill my life? Holy Spirit, will You take my life and do something with me like You did with Your Son Jesus for three and a half years? It's got nothing to do with calling. Are you an apostle, a prophet, a prophet, evangelist, part teacher? No, you're part of the body of the Christ. And as we all work together, we can turn the world upside down. The world needs Jesus in the church because that's where they're going to find Him. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, He will, he will teach us. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. He will teach us. He will direct us. He will purify us. He will empower us. He will pray through us. He will convict us. He will remind us of what He said. The key to, I believe, what God wants to do in us and through us as we go forwards is hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Can we pray and agree today that there will be a fresh hunger and a fresh thirst in Citygate Church? Can we pray that? we were in a conference now and had more time or whatever, we'd give an appeal right now. And we'd say, Holy Spirit, will you fill my life? But let this today be the catalyst. Let it be the start of a new day. In Jesus' name. Can we lift our hands, please?
Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that we live our lives by faith. Everything we do is by faith. So right now we release our faith and declare we are hungry and we are thirsty. In Jesus' Name. But Holy Spirit, we ask You and by the grace of God that You would do a work in us that we have never experienced before here in Citygate. Lord God, that there would be a hunger and a thirst that defines us. That causes fire to burn. That causes the floods of Your Spirit to pour out from within us. Thank You for Your peace, Holy Spirit. Thank You for Your purpose. Thank You for Your power and for Your presence. And in Jesus' Name, we believe it and we receive it. Holy Spirit, we receive You. And Lord, in the coming days, weeks, months, years, that Citygate Church would be a church that is truly baptised with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Today, there's going to be realignments. That still small voice says it's time. It's time to, to put your faith to work. It's time to step out like that. It's time to crucify that part of your flesh. It's time to put it to death. It's time. It's time to stir up the gift on the inside. <laughs> wow. It's time. It's time in Jesus' name. Come on, look at at least three or four people say, it's time for you, for me, for us to move. God bless you. Have an amazing, amazing week.